You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunder Pod. Email the show, L-O Thunder Pod at gmail.com. And even call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, it's a bonus podcast. On Saturday, we're going to recap Friday's game against the Detroit Pistons and talk about Sunday's game against Toronto. And also, if you missed Friday's episode, go back and listen to it. Friday's episode was with myself and Ben Golliver talking all about the bubble and inside the NBA bubble and what went on behind the scenes. A really uh, cool and fun episode. Check it out from Friday's show. We'll be back again on Monday to recap this Raptors game on Sunday. So this is the place to be for Thunder content. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Let's get into the show And at first, we have to lead off with the SGA update because we had an update from Mark about Shea and SGA is behind schedule in his rehab. And what's really caused a hiccup for me is the phrasing of imaging, right? That SGA's imaging is behind. And it's not a point of he's behind physically in the sense of conditioning or behind in the sense of just rust in his game. It's the imaging that's behind, according to Mark. He told us this pregame. And to me, I think that this is a legitimate injury for Shea. You can go back and forth about Muscala's ankle. Uh, that's obviously uh, doesn't really matter because Muscala's not going to play anyway. Uh, you know, you can go back and forth on any of these other injuries. You know, having the maintenance on Lou's shoulder after dropping 40-plus points and having him miss the next game. You can go back and forth on those. I think that Shea is a legitimate injury. And you saw on Instagram him posting that video saying he missed basketball. And that was clearly coinciding with the reevaluation that, that they got yesterday before Mark talked to us. Uh, but, but again, what, what deters me from blowing this off is that it was the imaging that was the, the word used there and not conditioning, not pain tolerance, not his flow or his rhythm or his rest to the game. It was about the imaging. And I'm no doctor, but that sounds like they took scans of his foot and the scans show that he's not, his foot is not healed on the pace or on the rate that they thought it would. Now, Mark did clarify it has healed. It has healed since that initial injury, uh, but not to the to the point where they want it to. So I, I just worry about that because, look, foot injuries are nothing to mess around with. They can linger. They can have long-lasting impacts on guys' career. If you look around the NBA right now, you see Jamal Murray go down with the torn ACL after dealing with knee injuries prior to that being out of, out of games with knee injuries and then coming back and tearing his ACL. You see uh, Donovan Mitchell, luckily it was just a sprained ankle, but again, you don't want to sprain your ankle anytime, but still it could have been much worse than that. And now he's out. You do not want to risk SGA foot injuries. You just don't want to risk anyone's foot injuries because it can just last and linger and hurt your future career. And so Mark used the phrase that the progression is not to the point where we're comfortable with playing him right now. And I don't think everything has to be a big conspiracy. I don't think everything has to be a big a big, oh, they're tanking. Well, first of all, we knew they were tanking. We knew they were tanking in December, right? Nothing has changed from December to now. We knew all along they are going to try to lose games. However, 
that does not eliminate the possibility that some of these injuries are legitimate. And this SGA injury is legitimate. Uh, and I think that the thing is, if you're going to complain about the injury and say, oh, well, they're just, they're just nursing it and they're just not playing him because they want to tank. The alternative is to play him and he probably wins you that Pistons game and you ruin the goal of the season. So like either way you slice it, no matter if this is legitimate or illegitimate, sitting him is the right call. If it's legitimate, you sit him to not rush him back, to not have him have a worse foot injury. If it's legitimate, that's what happens. If it's not legitimate, you play him, he probably wins you a couple games and you fall further behind in your fade for Cade Cunningham. So it's a win-win scenario for the Thunder. But I think that this is legitimate. I think that this is something that's really just hurting him and causing him pain. And and the Thunder are trying to be as careful as possible with him to not have him miss even more time. Because everything that we've heard is they want to play him. They want to play him this year, but they just cannot help. The rehab process is not where they want it to be at this stage. And he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So two weeks from now means there's only going to be two weeks left in the year. And so I believe that, that would be like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten games, somewhere in that range. You're, you're not going to want to play him in those meaningless games, his first games back from, from this injury, I don't think. Uh, now, that's for the Thunder to decide. That's not for me to decide. Uh, but Shea's a competitor, and he wants to play. He wants to be out there. And sometimes you have to save the players from themselves. I do not think any, anything nefarious is going on here. I think that SGA is legitimately hurt, and his rehab is not going uh, at the speed that they want it to go. And you have to save SGA from himself. And, and sure, there's an extra benefit him not playing, but I think that if this team was borderline a, a play-in team, they'd still sit him because he is the future of your franchise. I mean, it'd be, it would be catastrophic for SGA to go down and, and have a further injury, you know, breaking his foot or tearing his ACL or blowing out his Achilles. Like it'd be it would be catastrophic for him to go out there in a meaningless contest in any contest, but especially these meaningless contests coming up and just derail his next season because at that point. You'd be so far behind on your timeline, this rebuild would go, would go horribly. So not everything is a tinfoil hat scenario. And this is a legitimate injury. And, and what's what's hurt SGA and all of this is because there were some people who just outright said, oh, the, he doesn't have any plantar fasciitis. Uh, after we had video evidence of him being hobbled and hurt after he tries to jump up and down. And the fact that people go for low-hanging fruit jokes about this team's tanking, which we knew they were in December and SGA was still playing and they just rested him a couple of days here and there. But the bottom line is that this injury affects multiple things in multiple layers. That's all. And, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be a tanking move or a serious injury. It can be a serious injury. And also, hey, we don't. these games don't matter for our future. These games don't matter for anything. We want to lose these games. So why would we rush him out there and risk a, a Jamal Murray scenario? Denver had to rush their guy out there. Denver had to put Jamal Murray out there to try to stay in the playoff race and stay outside of that extra play-in game and, and do all of those things. They had to rush their superstar. They had to rush their franchise player, and it cost them. It cost them an entire year. It cost them a portion of their of their era here because now they'll get about three months to evaluate Murray and Aaron Gordon before having to decide if they want to pay Aaron Gordon next year. So that has derailed their entire plan as a, as a franchise. You do not want to do that in Oklahoma City whenever whenever you would stand to benefit losing these games anyway. So he'll be reevaluated in two weeks, and we'll see what happens. Mark said that they're just going to kick the can down the road two more weeks because the imaging was not where they want it to be. And again, the imaging phrase is the big one to me, and I'm not a doctor, so that could just be really something that I'm looking into too much, but the imaging thing was the differentiating factor to me. Now, let's talk about this game. The game overview, of course, is that SGA was out, Poku is out, Josh Hall was out, Mike Muscala is out, Gabriel Deck is out. 
Lou Dort was in after resting that last game. The Pistons sat out Jeremy Grant, Dennis Smith Jr., Mason Plumley, Roddy Magruder, Corey Joseph, and Wayne Ellington on their injury report. And then they also set out Hamadou Diallo. They set out almost their entire team, and they still won this game. This was a tank battle for the ages because in the first quarter, it felt like Oklahoma City was dominating this game. It felt like Oklahoma City was going to win this game big, and they were just outplaying Detroit. And then after the first quarter, they no longer were dominating Detroit, and they ended up losing this game. And I had Oklahoma City plus two and a half. I thought Oklahoma City would win this game. And this turned into the best taking day of, of NBA history for the Thunder. I, I had Oklahoma City plus two and a half. I locked it in. I thought this was going to be a big win for Oklahoma City. And it was not. And it turns into the best taking day ever because West, Russell Westbrook and the Wizards win in overtime against New Orleans. The Raptors win. And Minnesota wins. Now you're wondering why does Minnesota win matter for the Thunder? They're not going to actually catch up to the first place team on takeathon.com. They're not going to be the worst team in the NBA. But it matters because it pushes Houston into that first spot on tankathon.com. And with that move, Houston is the worst record in the NBA. But guess what? They have a 47.9% chance of landing at five, which belongs to Oklahoma City. And so the difference here is if they were the second worst team in the NBA, they would have a 27.8 chance of landing at five and a six, and at sixth place, they'd have a 20% chance of landing at sixth place. Now you just consolidate all of that and you put it all on five, and you see if you can get the hit on the fifth overall pick for Houston dropping down there, and Oklahoma City, of course, gets that pick. For the for the Raptors and for the Wizards to go and lose, it helps create that distance of separation between you and them to where they can't really catch you, and you can kind of start to solidify yourself a bit as a bottom five NBA team, and that really helps your pick odds a ton. And also, it keeps them involved in the play-in to where they're going to actually try in these back-to-back games coming up. Oklahoma City has a back-to-back against against Toronto and Washington on Sunday and Monday, so that will really help their cause out. Let's dive into this actual game, but first I want to tell you about your friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar. It tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You will not want to miss these incredible built bars. They're soft and easy to chew. They have 100% real chocolate on the outside. They're great for the health conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Try them out today. Builtbar.com. Promo code LOCK15, 15% off your next order. I love the cookies and cream option. So go there, try them out. Builtbar.com. They're so good. You can use them pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement or a snack. They are phenomenal. So try them out today at BuiltBar.com. Make sure to use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. So we are back on Locked On Thunder, the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. All right, let's dive into this game against Detroit. So the Thunder, again, played well in the first quarter, and the offense sputtered after that, and the offense could not get going after that. And they played good defense in the first quarter. They limited turnovers in the first quarter, and all of that changed in the second, third, and fourth quarter. They couldn't buy a bucket. Nobody shot the ball particularly well. They turned it over too much. But this team continued to play physical, continued to play hard, and continued to play with passion all game long and tried to win this game until the very end. That's a good sign because I've been asking all season long, when you pile up these losses, when you get blown out, can Mark continue to get these guys to buy in? Can Mark continue to get these guys to play at that incredible effort level that they're playing at all year long? 
And the answer is yes. I mean, we're almost done with the season, folks. I mean, it's it's April 17th right now. We are almost done with the year. And they're still playing hard. They're still playing physical. And they're still playing tough. They just don't have the pieces to compete. And that's the bottom line. But the fact that they're still buying into Mark and not mailing it in this year is a great sign so far. Because even while they're losing, they're at least giving effort. And that's a big deal for this young team. Another thing about Shea is that he's staying engaged on the bench. And he's staying positive and he's being that emotional leader, and that is huge, right? Being that teammate that is uplifting, that is communicating every single time out with his guys, saying what he saw on the sidelines and what they can fix or what they can correct, that's a big deal for SGA specifically. Now, I've given praise to Justin Jackson and to Darius Miller for staying positive on the bench even while they're not playing, but with SGA, it's an even bigger deal because SGA is supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be your face of the franchise. He's supposed to be your go-to guy, supposed to be that leader of the locker room and the leader of men on this team and him staying engaged and him doing that throughout this duration of this injury has been a big deal. And it earns that respect for whenever he's back on the floor, they're going to be even more so looking at him as that leader and buying into his leadership style and looking at him as the guy on this team. So he's solidified that spot with his talent on the floor and also his leadership off the floor. Darius Baisley told us a good story after the game. He said that, he, one of these back-to-backs, he didn't travel while he was hurt. He stayed at home. But he watched the game on TV. And he saw that on TV, that the camera's always finding SGA, of course, as we all know. Um, and he said that he saw that Shay never sat down. And so he texted Shay and said, hey, sit down, Shay. Like, he was like, this guy is just so energetic and is so positive that he makes such a big impact on these guys that he's never sitting down. He's trying his best to stay engaged. And Moses Brown said that he's he, that Shay's trying so hard to stay engaged it feels as though he's out there on the floor with them. It, it's a it's a great thing for your young leader to have that kind of quality at 23 years old. I mean, that's a quality that's shared by very few people in the NBA. Very surprising loss, very unexpected loss. I thought the Thunder would win this game and win it pretty handily after seeing the lineups that Detroit would put out there. But who would have thought that Justin Jackson and Frank Jackson would carry this Pistons team? I mean, Justin Jackson was awesome. 29 points on 56% shooting. Him and Dort had a couple good battles uh, on the offensive end for Detroit. Seven rebounds for Jackson. He also had two steals and a block. I mean, Justin Jackson was really good. Four turnovers in this one. I, I love the, the game that Justin Jackson played, and I'm somebody who I missed big on Justin Jackson. If you listen to our Tuesday podcast, our Tuesday podcast with Richard Stamen, you'll know he was my biggest draft miss of all time and what I thought of Justin Jackson. Uh, but it was nice to see him score 29 points in a game that you want the Thunder to lose. Sadiq Bey uh, had some hot stretches in there, but only ended up going two for 12 from beyond the arc. But he had some hot stretches in there. Frank Jackson was just a microwave score. A couple, I mean, he came in just boom, boom, boom. Three threes, 18 points. He came in off the bench and did what he did for the Thunder in the preseason and ends up doing it against them in the regular season in this game. For the Thunder, though, they had three, I think, three standout players in this kind of bad game, obviously. Anytime that you lose a game, you should win. Even in the tank season, it's a bad game. Nobody shot the ball particularly well, but Lou Dort was fantastic. He had the and one that I thought was going to turn the tide and I thought was going to get them back in it in the fourth quarter. It didn't end up coming true. He had great defense. Uh, I mean, the fun back and forth with uh, Josh Jackson, great defense, drawing the charges, drawing the illegal screens. The way that he just blows up screens and just rams into a, a moving screen and is just unfazed by it is incredible. Like I don't think that people give enough credit to how difficult that is to do that time and time 
and time again, and much less do that while being a two-way player offensively, being very functional, being very good offensively, and having the energy to do that time and time and time again, even in games like this against Detroit, against a game where both teams are tanking and still finding the ability to get up and do that is a big deal. But he goes for 26 points, six rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block, and multiple charges and illegal screens drawn. He was awesome. I mean, he was just simply awesome in this game. He's picking up kind of where he left off. Nobody shot the ball well, so like the percentages are not quite there, but he was the best He was the best shooter on the team, not named Moses Brown or Tony Bradley, who are just big men who they're obviously going to have higher percentages than anybody else. Darius Baisley looked more comfortable and confident in this game, which was a big, a big point of emphasis for me. I don't care what the box score looks like. I've said it before that this season is more about it's more about the process than the execution. And Baisley's process in this game was really good. He tried the off the dribble step back three at miss, but just trying that shows his confidence. He looked way more aggressive. Had that half court set where he's driving and dunking on uh, Isaiah Stewart. Somebody finally told him he's athletic. He had the play where he grabs a rebound and goes coast to coast and finishes a layup on his own. That athleticism and that playmaking ability is something that he should show out more. And I was glad to see him doing that in this game. He did that, of course, earlier this week as well. So he's finding that kind of rhythm to be able to do that for himself. And also the spin finish layup was incredible. But most importantly, the play that stands out the most to me is Isaiah Roby in the first quarter. He tried to make the kickout pass to Darius Baisley, a play that we talked about earlier this week where Baisley was oftentimes working off ball, getting open shots off ball, but his guys couldn't find him. And then in this game, Isaiah Roby really tried to find him. And, and so the pass goes to, to Baisley in the corner. Baisley is wide open in the corner. But the pass is bobbled by Baisley. It kind of goes on the ground and back up to him. And instead of panicking, instead of bailing out and just passing that ball right back to somebody else, he collects himself, he gathers, and he shoots it. Now, he misses it, but still, it's the process. It's the process of not getting discouraged, not, not just throwing away that, that opportunity and realizing and, and really processing the fact that despite the bobble, I still have plenty of time. I'm going to regroup and gather and do my normal shooting motion and not rush anything in either direction, rushing the pass off or rushing the shot up. It was a good thing to see Baisley work through that. And I thought that he looked more relaxed and comfortable in his own skin in this game. There was possessions getting derailed left and right. There was turnovers. There was missed shots. And he had better body language in this game about his mistakes and about others' mistakes. But I thought it would go a long way for him the rest of the season because that's really been what's gotten the attention negatively from Thunder fans. I mean, I mean, of course, his bad play on the court does that as well. But whenever Thunder fans want to cast him aside and cast him a part of the group, and, and, you know, away from the group, it's because of his body language, which I don't think is particularly fair. But he did do a better job of that against Detroit. Isaiah Roby is the last standout player. He has nine points, four rebounds, and had some really good flashes in this game. Had a good finish, had a good shot selection. He also was really aggressive. And I don't necessarily mean that in the, in the sense of him shooting, right? In the sense of him hunting his shot and being aggressive shooting. He was aggressive playing the passing lanes. He was aggressive going for 50-50 balls. He was aggressive mixing it up on the glass. And whenever you're that size and you're asked to be a power forward or asked to be a center, you have to have that edge about you. You have to have that want to be aggressive and mix things up and attack and attack the ball, attack other players, box out, do all those dirty things. And he was able to do that in this game. And I thought in general, the Thunder defense was really good. Of course, you're playing Detroit. You're not playing that many good scores, but they were switching a lot more in this game, which allowed them to play, which allowed them to play passing lanes more and trust themselves more and kind of pursue the ball more, which created those first quarter turnovers. They were just all in all a better game for the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
My bet of the day, of course, was Oklahoma City plus two and a half. That does not cash in. My money ball pick was Darius Basley. That does not cash in either. He goes one, he gets one three, and Lou Dort hit three. The MVP of the game is Lou Dort for his constant play and, and really the reason why uh, this team was even in it. I mean, that, that three-pointer he made with Frank Jackson fouling him was an awesome play, even though it results in little to nothing. We'll be back on Monday to recap the game against Toronto, which is a huge game for the tank. There's no turning back now. I mean, you just lost to the Pistons, who are sitting out half their roster. There's no turning back now. This was a huge loss in a good way for the Thunder to kind of solidify themselves as a tanking team, as a bottom-of-the-barrel NBA team who's trying to get the best odds possible at drafting that franchise-changing guy. And, and there's no turning back. The The next game that you might win is at the end of the year when we play the Clippers and the, the Jazz if they're sitting out all of their guys. And with the new injury to Donovan Mitchell and him nursing that ankle injury, I'm sure they would not want him playing against Oklahoma City at the end of the year for no reason. So, like, those games are very winnable. But until then, there's not very many games that stand out as a win on paper right this second. Now, we'll see how the injury reports unfold. We'll see what happens with Shea. But this is it now. You're sinking in, and you're getting ready, and you're hoping that it pays off for you on June 22nd, and that you can stop this tank in just one season. So it'll be a lot of fun to see what happens. We'll be here every single day to follow along with the action, so subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Be good, and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Thunder. Thunder.